the only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, where we're in the thick of the week and the thick of the European action as well. Last night, Chelsea did what they needed to do, really, to brush that Brighton battering under the carpet, coming from behind to beat Dinamo Zagreb in the Champions League, and a debut goal for Denis Zakaria. Not only him, but a debut goal for 17-year-old Rico Lewis too for Manchester City in their win against Sevilla. That all sounds nice and lovely and rosy, doesn't it? But not if you're Ben Chilwell or if you're Gareth Southgate, as the England defender had to be helped off the pitch last night at Stamford Bridge. Oh dear, not only is that an issue for the three Lions, but it may be an issue for you FPL managers as well. So thankfully, Tom from Who Got The Assist is on hand today to give those top tips ahead of this game week. One of those injury concerns involves Arsenal and Bukayo Saka. The youngster's back in training after a knock, but will he play tonight as the Gunners need a result to top their Europa League group? And it's a similar story for Manchester United too, who must win against Sociedad in Spain this evening. Lots to discuss on today's show, and on punditry duties today, we've got Joel Tudor and Steve McNaughton. How are you doing, gents? Good morning, guys. Morning, Steve. And morning to you, Joel, as well. I mean... It sounds like you've been um, either doing some karaoke or something and you've blown your voice out or you've had a rough weekend and you're still recovering. <laughs> well, I was uh, I was in Barcelona just trying to see where Frankie de Jong's at and I still couldn't find him. So we'll continue as we go along. <laughs> Were you shouting on Barcelona Beach at two o'clock in the morning? Frankie, Well, actually, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see him. I did go to the Barcelona Museum, by the way, and I nearly had PTSD when I saw the two Champions League trophies that they stole off us in '09. Uh, in uh, 2011 that was difficult to go past stole off yeah do you mean when they like considerably outplayed you uh, and won them <laughs> no <laughs> I'm trying to make myself be a better Steve work with me a little bit <laughs> yeah Messi had uh, jetpacks in his boots to jump above yeah. <laughs> and that head that beyond Van der Sar um, that was a really good header that is but we're not going to talk about Champions League finals we've got to talk about the final group stage games in the Champions League involving Premier League clubs which one of which was last night at Stamford Bridge as Chelsea beat Dinamo Zagreb 2-1 they needed to respond to the Blues after the shambles that was Brighton at the weekend where the Seagulls absolutely flattened them and despite going behind against their Croatian opposition they managed to do that Steve I think it's important when you have a bad result particularly in the manner that Chelsea performed against Brighton you've got to go on and win the next one almost to draw a line under it and they managed to do that yesterday yeah you've just got to you know dust yourself off and go again haven't you and you know Dinamo Zagreb you know coming to Stamford Bridge was a good opportunity to do that wasn't it you know it's not a game that Chelsea should have been tested in that much, you know. It, they had their moments, um, but Chelsea managed to, you know, to see it out. But yeah, they um, uh, they shouldn't be getting turned over four one at Brighton. Uh, you know, that was a short result there. Um, but they are a bit, in, you know, they've been a bit inconsistent across the season, haven't they? Um, you know, Chelsea with uh, a bit of turbulence with Thomas Tuchel leaving and, and Graham Potter coming in. Um, I think there's a bit more offensive under Graham Potter, but they are susceptible to conceding goals. Chelsea are currently sixth in the standings in the Premier League, 12 games, 21 points, which is five points ahead of your team, Liverpool, Steve, who are down in ninth on 16 points. But with the way that Chelsea are playing at the moment, does that give you a little bit of of hope as a Liverpool supporter that, you know, those inconsistencies might rear their head again? And if Liverpool can set themselves straight, that they're still there to be caught if possible and possibly your team could get in the 
European spots. Yeah, I think you know that's the, that's the target, and you know we we will be looking at teams like Chelsea as as a route into that because we've got to play them at Stamford Bridge and Anfield, Anfield still. So you know there's a potential six points there up for grabs. Um, I think you know from from my team's point of view, the World Cup's coming at a right time, so we can reset and get a few players back because we are being hammered by injuries again this season. Um, not to kind of hijack it from a Liverpool point of view, but we made the uh, very um, sense senseful decision to um, not recruit a new club doctor when the other one left in August and. Uh, Hence, we've got a, a mountain of injuries piling up. But yeah, Chelsea, uh, I think Arsenal will will fall away as well. Uh, I know we're going to come on to them a bit later on the podcast, um, but I think it's up for grabs. And if there's any team that can that can you know hunt down a, a points tally in the, in the Premier League, it, it's Liverpool when they've got a fit squad. Yeah, and big game for Chelsea this weekend as well as they take on Arsenal in the 12 o'clock kickoff. On Sunday, that's going to be interesting with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang going back to his old stomping ground. In fact, uh, Arsenal are the visitors to Stamford Bridge, so he'll just be facing against his old club rather than going back to the Emirates. Uh, But in terms of someone sort of turning out for a new club for the first time, that was Aubameyang a few weeks back, Joel. But last night, it was Denis Zakaria, and he actually scored the winner for Chelsea. He's 25 years old, a Swiss international, a defensive midfielder who I thought actually controlled the game last night when he got himself going. He's had a difficult start to life in England. England. You don't expect to sign for a club and then make your debut in early November. But when you do finally wait for that opportunity, you take it in the way that he took it. He scored a goal and actually, considering it's been a tough beginning to life in England for him, I think from what Graham Potter would have thought last night, from what he saw, there's another potential star to be worked on there in the middle. Yeah, I think it's been a difficult year and a half, I would say, for him when he first went to Juventus on a free transfer or kind of pre-transfer in the January last year and it just didn't work out for him at Juve it seemed like he was one of the biggest prospects in Europe in his position and I don't know what's going on at Juventus at the moment because they've just came they've not been able to qualify for the last 16 but Chelsea have taken a punt on him and I don't want to say it's worked but I mean for the first game there's definitely some promising signs there because I think since Kante's basically disappeared they've not had that presence in the middle where someone can really cover all angles because I know Jorginho is a little bit more of a passer rather than a someone who's going to break out the lines. Kovacic is a little bit more um, progressive going forward and they've just missed that kind of sitter and perhaps he can be that person for Potter which I think they've been missing ever since Kante's had so many injury problems and um, yeah I think especially for a position that their formation where they need such a strong midfield or they will get overrun as we saw when uh, United played them at Stamford Bridge and Potter had to, make, had to make that change I think it was 30 minutes into the match because their midfield was getting simply overrun so maybe he can be the guy if he can stay fit as well to actually address all those issues but I think with Chelsea in this group if we cast our minds back to September time when they lost the first group game in uh, Zagreb and that was Thomas Tuchel's last match it looked like it was all just going a little bit pear-shaped for them and to win four of the last five group games and to completely top the group after a really shaky start and maybe a bit worrying for Chelsea fans as to whether they'd even get out of the group let alone finish top I think it's been a ri- you got to give Potter such a lot of credit considering he's never been in any kind of Euro- European composition I feel like I've said this every midweek, but Graham Potter didn't even go to a Champions League game as a fan or as a manager to 
spy on some players. He've, he's never experienced the Champions League at all. So I think it's credit to him, as you say. And there's a remarkable statistic when it comes to Chelsea that of the 19 group stage campaigns they've had in the Champions League, they've qualified in 18 of them. We've reached the knockouts in 18 of the 19 occasions and that will continue uh, as they beat Dinamo Zagreb last night by two goals to one. But at the end of the game, some pretty disappointing news when it comes to England involving Ben Chilwell, Steve, as he was helped off the pitch. Looked like he'd pinged a hamstring or a quad or some sort of upper leg muscle. And you could tell by the look on Mason Mount's face, he's obviously a good mate of Ben Chilwell's, that he was pretty devastated for his friend. We saw Rafa Varane crying for Manchester United after his injury against Chelsea a few weeks back. Questions whether he will make the World Cup. As close as we get to the World Cup now, it feels like anyone who picks up an injury, particularly one that requires you to be helped off the pitch like Chilwell was, is not good news and probably spells a, a slim chance of making it to Qatar. Yeah, he's not making it, unfortunately. Um, you know, when it's a nasty hamstring injury like that, you know, you're looking at, I think, four to six weeks if he's lucky, which, you know, we'll put him towards the end of the campaign in Qatar. He's so unlucky from an injury point of view. He's had injury after injury, you know, during his time at, at Chelsea, including a very serious one that kept him out for most of his, uh, uh, I think it was his first season there. Um, I think it was. Uh, I mean, I might be corrected by someone that's listening, but um, he is... Um, yeah, he'll be a loss for England because he's he's probably when fit, he's arguably England's best left back, and uh, you know so more um, decisions for Gareth Southgate to make. Or, 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 you know how he shuffles the pack with that. I mean, he'll probably bring Peter Crouch in and playing at left back, but you know because uh, that's the. <laughs> I mean, that's... well, aside aside from Shaw, Steve, who are the other options there? I mean, it's maybe Tyrick Mitchell at Palace, but he was good last season. We've not seen as much of him this season. It's it's Trippier can play out yeah, there, I, I guess, gonna, on that, both sides. That's what I was just going to say. Then Niall, I was just going to say he probably will move Trippier to the left hand side. Um, but England uh, have injuries at right back as well, don't they? Um, you know, it looks like you know Carl Walker's not going to make it. Uh, Reese James isn't going to make it. Um, so you know, suddenly you know that that seems to be opening up a little bit for Trent, doesn't it? Uh, at the minute, which isn't a bad thing, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, Gareth Southgate's team selections are logical anyway. So we'll see what happens on that front. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's obviously he's he's got fre- friends that are England England, England squad who'll be gutted he's out. Um, you know, and I just hope that um, you know, he's a good professional, a uh, good, very good player. That I hope that after the hamstring injury, he has a good run of games without having to sit on the sidelines and have an extensive rehab. Yeah, it's never nice to see someone keep going down with injury, but it looks like Chilwell is going to miss the World Cup. But fear not, because as Steve says, there's another 49 fullbacks that he's selected in his 55-man provisional <laughs> squad. So I think you'll be all right. Um, finished Chelsea 2, Dinamo Zagreb 1 last night. A victory for Manchester City also at the Etihad in their game. They beat Sevilla by three goals to one. A pretty slow start to the game. The first half was not the greatest spectacle of the season, Joel. Uh, City actually went 1-0 down, but their equaliser was scored by 17 year old Rico Lewis and we said on yesterday's show that Pep might end up playing some of the younger players in this game against the Spanish team he did Lewis and Cole Palmer both started but a great moment for Lewis in particular who became the youngest ever scorer for Manchester City it feels like these players Joel that they are crafting in the City Academy they are crafting in a mould in which makes them suitable to the first team pretty much to slide straight in so did you think we saw that last night? They are, but because the Manchester City squad is so good, you always just see them going to all these other teams and then end up becoming really good players in those teams. 
Um, it's such a talented academy as we've seen in, in the last few years. I mean, Jaden Sancho is probably the biggest one to come out of that academy. And then you've just got so many, you know, Southampton bought a couple this summer. Um, I know Angelino went to Leipzig for a big fee a couple of years ago. They're, they're constantly producing such talented players. And it's like in these games where City didn't really have anything to play for because they pretty much already won the group. That That's the only time where these youngsters can actually try and prove a point to Guardiola. Because even when Phil Foden was just coming through the academy and hovering around the first team, there was glimpses that he could become something really good but it was just a question and I remember Guardiola getting questioned hell of a lot of will he ever get into that City side because it's absolutely stacked and obviously Guardiola's under pressure himself to keep delivering week in week out so he can't really afford to be just nurturing young players consistently because there's a lot of competition in the Premier League all the time so for this kind of game it's I mean you can't really argue otherwise the fact that Rico Lewis has managed to take his chance he was really impressive yesterday Mm. but then it's just the case of well where do you go next because as Sancho found out he didn't want to stick around and find out he wanted to go and do it himself at 17 so I don't know where Rico Lewis is thinking at the moment maybe he can be in or thereabouts the City squad but realistically unless you get a little bit of fortune and some injuries and you consistently get a place in the side it's hard to really stick around isn't it so I'll be interested to see where he goes next but I mean for now it's a great uh, first attempt but let's see where it goes yeah I think you're right you just need to look at you know players like Jaden Sancho's moved on and then they've become assets I suppose for Manchester City something we mentioned on yesterday's show that if they don't get a game in the first team and as you're rightly pointing out the first team at City is so stacked that not all of them can play that's just the harsh reality of it then at least they can sell them on and a prime example would be the the couple of players they sold to Southampton for sort of a combined 50 million quid in the summer so you know it seems to work out all right for City if they don't get those players into the first team. They're going to get a decent wedge for them. So, yeah. Um, it finished 3-1 last night and Julian Alvarez scored again for Manchester City. But again, he was overshadowed, I'd argue, Steve, with all the Haaland hype and how he's performed this season. 17 Premier League goals so far. Do you think Alvarez is quite happy being effective under the radar? I think he will be, yeah. And I think he'll probably know he'll, he'll get chances because of, of Haaland's injury record. So I think he's just got to concentrate on training really hard and being ready for when Pep calls on him. You know, there's obviously a very talented player in there. Um, and he will just, I think he'll be someone who will seize his opportunities. But, you know, he is going to have to play second fiddle. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, he's never, ever going to become the main man. But, you know, he's, he's, he's a good... He's a good reserve to call upon, isn't he? You know, because he's very, very talented. And, um, you know, I think that's... uh, He's played a couple of games back-to-back now, hasn't he? Because Haaland was out uh, last weekend, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, it's all positive from from a Man City point of view. It's, you know, it's all positive. There's no nothing challenging going on at that club at the minute for them. Everything is just rosy. And, you know, they've they've got another diamond there who who will, um, you know, win them a load of honours and pick up a lot of medals and himself and he'll, he'll have a good you know career at Man City so fair play to them for getting in there first and getting a really talented young Argentinian uh, striker 
Yeah, Alvarez scoring and City winning by three goals to one. It was a bit of a, a no contest last night in terms of what was riding on it with City already qualified in Sevilla, really struggling at the moment, not just in Europe, but also in La Liga as well. I think they're in the relegation zone in the Spanish top flight. So work to be done there uh, for the Spanish team. All right, that's the Champions League games boxed off. We're going to focus on the second tier of European competition next. Manchester United and Arsenal are in Europa League action. We'll talk about it after this. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily and Europa League games tonight. If the Champions League matches yesterday, and some of them were dead rubbers, let's be honest, certainly isn't the case tonight with Arsenal and Manchester United's Europa League games. And the Europa League in general is looking very, very good with some of the teams that have dropped down from the Champions League. We'll get onto that shortly, but first we'll start uh, away in San Sebastian in Spain, where Real Sociedad are taking on Manchester United. This is a 5.45pm kickoff UK time. Um, United, your team, Joel, they've got a win in Spain and they've got a win by bettering the reverse result which was a 1-0 Real Sociedad win at Old Trafford to kick off the group stages controversial penalty decision I seem to remember which resulted in that game finishing 1-0 if United do better that result they go through as group winners do you think they will go through as group winners or do you think away in the north of Spain is just going to be a too tough a test let's say yeah it's going to be difficult um, especially with the fact that there's a lot of injury concerns going into the game. I think the majority of the front three is not going to be travelling with um, Anthony Martial, Anthony um, and Jaden Sancho are all going to be missing. Yeah, So it's basically going to be a new look front three. So it looks like it could be uh, Garnacho, Ronaldo and Rashford leading the line, which they've. I think they played together once, was it? A, a week ago and now... I mean, with Ronaldo not really fully firing as well, it's going to be a tough ask, I think, to try and go through as leaders because Sociedad, I think any Spanish opposition that any English club goes away to, it always just seems to have such a difficulty attached to it all the time, especially for United. Do you know what? Anyway. United's record against Spanish teams, Joel, shocking. is not great. Yeah, it's shocking. I'm not really sure what it is. It just seems, we just seem to fall short consistently against them. And you were right in saying uh, Sociedad got a pretty... I want to say fortunate in the game because I think they did dominate in large periods. But in terms of that penalty decision, I just vaguely remember Martinez. It hit his hand like right next to his his body, and it, it, I don't know where he could have put it. But I think this game it is pivotal in terms of where they go next for the campaign because if they do finish second, then I mean the likes of Barcelona, Sporting Lisbon, Bayer Leverkusen, Sevilla. Uh, Juventus, they all drop into that and United have to be drawn against one of those uh, seeded Champions League teams that finish third. So it is a pretty pivotal moment, but I mean, you've got to play the best to be the best, haven't you, in terms of the European competitions? And I would prefer to actually play these kind of teams because it seems as though now the, the team, 
right now that Ten Hag has developed. I think he's way more equipped to face them now than they were maybe two mo- two weeks ago, two months ago. Uh, so I think I'd have confidence playing any of those teams, even though you look at the, the names on face value, you know, Barcelona, Juventus, they're not the same teams that they were five, ten years ago. There's a lot of frailties and difficulties going on at those clubs at the moment. And I don't think anyone should really fear them in the way that everyone's kind of making out like, is the giant killers coming down into the the Europa League so it's going to be a difficult game but like I say it's going to be a challenging one because that front three is going to be completely new look yeah Real Sociedad fifth in La Liga at the moment they're only one point off the Champions League places but they have lost their last two games in La Liga you know they've not been in the greatest form domestically recently but I guess in the Europa League it's um it's a different kind of feeling and as Joel's mentioned some of the teams coming down um, are looking good some of them not so good but I just think whoever finishes second in their Europa League group Steve is probably going to find it difficult I mean Barcelona have dropped down into the Europa League um, I mean we reeled off a load of names yesterday I think Juventus are they down in the Europa League now as well so there's a yeah, few different Juventus. teams that have dropped down so it looks really competitive so do you think United have a chance of being successful? Yeah yeah I do I think um, I think they're starting to you know, show green shoots of recovery under Ten Hag. I think he has them playing a good brand of football. I think they're a much better team without Ronaldo in it, and and he's been strong enough to to you know run with that perspective um, and vision. And I think that uh, you know I I expect them to get a result in Sociedad because you know they they have been playing well, and I think when they did play Sociedad earlier on in the season, they weren't playing so well, worthy, but. You know, I think like Casemiro coming in, I think Martinez has found his feet in there. So, you know, you've got uh, De Gea behind him. Uh, you know, uh, obviously a bit of rotation and attack tonight. But that spine of the United team is suddenly very strong, isn't it? And they've not had that for a long time. And I think that Man, Man United, I was nearly said City then, uh, Man United <laughs> can be can be confident of going quite far in this competition. If I was them, I would fancy Barcelona or Atletico Madrid. Because those teams are, are in decline. I mean, Barcelona, given the money they've spent, and to be, you know, scratching with the turkeys in the Europa League is, um, is, is, is well, it's actually quite amusing. But that's a, that's another podcast, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, I think United will have too much for a lot of teams in, in the Europa League this season, and I think you know Ten Hag will on the quiet. He'll probably fancy having a good run at it. Well, actually, by virtue of Porto winning yesterday against Atletico Madrid, Atletico are not even in the Europa League. They've been knocked out in, entirely from Europe. It's actually by, oh, right, by, by a Leverkusen who have dropped down into it. So, I mean, they're not a shabby team by any stretch themselves either. Uh, I think you're right. I think it is starting to come together for Eric Ten Hag lately. I was saying on Monday's podcast that I didn't feel like... Uh, Casemiro was giving Maguire too much of an, an angle to pass the ball through midfield to him. I thought he was kind of hiding behind mid, uh, defenders and midfielders at one point. But um, that being said, Jim rightly pointed out to me that that's probably the first time Casemiro and Maguire have played together. So there are still partnerships being forged for Manchester United, even here we are on the 3rd of November and it's still feeling like it's starting to come together, knitting together by Eric Ten Hag. We'll see what happens tonight though. Important game for Manchester United who are looking to top their Europa League group. They're away at Real Sociedad. As for Arsenal, who are looking to do something similar and go through as group winners to the knockout stages. They take on uh, Zurich 
um, at the Emirates Stadium tonight. They were beaten 2-0 by PSV last week. It means they are through no matter what, but not in first place. To top the group, they go straight to the last 16 and avoid those Champions League teams that are dropping down. You'd think with Zurich bottom of the group and on three points only, Joel, that they should be all right at home here against the Swiss team. Yeah, I think there's another opportunity to, for Arteta to play the fringe players in the squad because I know for sure that they'll all be waiting to try and get into that Premier League team. Um, it seems as though with the Europa League, because there's so many rounds ahead of actually getting anywhere close to the the period where it actually feels like it's a real European competition, um, th- there just seems to be a little bit of a lack of motivation, maybe a lack of respect towards it. I don't know if it's just because it's not the Champions League, uh, but this was bread and butter for Arsenal, this kind of group in terms of you know topping the group it should have been it's easy it's easy for them to do but I think everyone is still waiting for their downfall in terms of when are they actually going to start capitulating and going on this downward spiral that I think everybody's waiting on myself included maybe it'll start this weekend I don't know if it'll start maybe after the World Cup but I'm just I'm convinced that they can't maintain this level of form just because as we've seen with so many teams gone by in previous years it doesn't even matter if you're top of the league at Christmas. All that matters is that if you're in or thereabouts by March and there's such a long way to go in terms of fixtures and in terms of difficulties and injuries that I'm still yet to feel like they can get through that. But then, I mean, you've got to give them credit because compared to last season, they look a different team in terms of how defensively strong they are, but also offensively. Even Gabriel Jesus, I know that Nunez from Liverpool's got more goals in him this season, which is pretty bizarre on paper you wouldn't think that but Jesus has got so much more to his game which is why Arsenal are so good going forward so it's going to be interesting to see I still think that in this competition they've got a massive chance to win it and the fact that they won the group means that they'll probably will go a long way uh, considering they'll play the uh, runners up in any of the other uh, tables so yeah it's, it's yeah. a it's a it's a competition that I think Arteta will definitely have an eye on yeah, basically just avoid defeat is Arsenal's job tonight. And I think they will do against Zurich at the Emirates. Uh, Bakayo Saka was pictured back in training yesterday, Steve. He's probably not going to play tonight, but that's a positive, no less, considering there were worries for him and his England potential at the World Cup. Yeah, very good player. Rate him really highly. I think, you know, he's equipped to have a good tournament in Qatar. And um, it's good to see that it's not a serious injury for him because he's a player that I really like. Um, and you know, I think he'll, he'll he'll increase the abilities of any team. So you know, he won't play tonight. Not in a dead rubber match like this tonight. And um, he'll uh, uh, he'll be he'll be back. Uh, I mean, he might not play again because obviously the lads finish next week, don't he, for the World Cup, and they're not back till the twenty sixth of December. Um, so I think that he'll be kept in cotton wool until then. Um, you know, just not to rush him back um, because the, what's happening a lot with teams this season is they're having to rush players back aren't they because there's so many games coming thick and fast but I think with him being such a main man at Arsenal I'd expect him maybe to you know make an appearance from the bench at the weekend Okay Bukayo Saka back in training unlikely to play tonight as Arsenal plays Zurich in the Europa League and Manchester United away at Real Sociedad these are the final European group matches this midweek so we'll be returning after the World Cup and probably after Christmas into the knockout stages so I know it's pretty early still but from what we've seen from the group stages I wanted to know Joel and Steve who your picks are at the end of this stage of the tournament as to who's going to win effectively who's going to pick up the Champions League who's going to win the Europa League and who's going to be Conference League champions start with you Joel who's going to win the Champions League from what you've seen so far in the group stages and the foreign teams I'm trying to I don't really see so much 
um, potential threat, but I still think the Real Madrid are the team to beat this season. Um, just because they have just so much going forward in the midfield that I just mm. think that whoever beats them wins it. Uh, but I mean, yeah. you can't really look past Manchester City at the moment, especially with Haaland as the the kind of like the new chess piece that's going to take them all the way. So I do think it's between Real Madrid and Manchester City. Real Madrid smashed Celtic. Haaland on the sideline at the moment, so didn't play in the game against Sevilla, Steve. But are you on board with Joel's theory that it's between those two? No. Uh, I think Liverpool are that sh- in the Premier League this season that will probably win the Champions League, uh, which would be which would be the which, which would be the most Liverpool thing ever, wouldn't it? Um, because they've just got yeah. such an affinity with the competition. You know, they're, 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 they're regularly in the final, aren't they? Of it, um, you know, uh, you know, they've been in what three finals in the last five years, uh, mm. something like that. So, you know, uh, I think it's destined that them and Real Madrid can afo- avoid each other. That we'll get that trilogy. Uh, up and running, and you know, you think you'd hope by a lot of averages that they managed to get one over on Real Madrid, but I think that, um, yeah, it's I, I just think that we've got that that vibe about us. Uh, it's not going so well in the league, it is going well in the Champions League, barring the opening, you know, uh, day defeat against Napoli. So, uh, but we we comfortably beat Napoli the other night, who are probably the most informed side in Europe at the minute. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna kind of stick my neck out and say that uh, I think we do it this season. Yeah, I think it's a good point as well, because you think back to 2012 when Chelsea won it, they finished sixth in the Premier League that season. They ended up winning the Champions League. I know they had plenty of luck and a fair bit of, you know, the rub of the green, but they got the job done. So I think it's certainly a good point you make. Right, Europa League, United are still in it, Arsenal are still in it, Barcelona are still in it, Juventus, Leverkusen. Who's winning it, Joel? Hmm, I, I actually really believe it's between United and Arsenal. I just think that even though there's some big teams dropping in it, like Barcelona, uh, Juventus, and whoever else going to drop in it, it could be AC Milan, it could be Salzburg, uh, Sporting Lisbon. I just still think that those two teams have just got the momentum going forward compared to all the other ones that are actually dropping down. Because don't forget, the ones dropping down, there's something that's going on. There's an issue in their teams. Whereas with United and Arsenal, they're still progressing in their own domestic leagues. So I do think, and I would absolutely love, I would pay to see a United-Arsenal final. Yeah, I think that'll be really interesting. What do you think, Steve? Do you think that it'll be two English Premier League teams in the final? I think United will win it. Uh, I think, you know, United will, will have too much for the other teams in it if, if it was United I wouldn't be concerned about Barcelona Leverkusen Juventus you know and, and people like that I just um, I think that they'll have too much I think Ten Hag has got another gear or two to get out of him this season he'll probably you know bring in more players in January uh, I think he said in the recent interviews after a couple of wing backs um, so yeah you know he's he's getting the back in you know, to make United a force again and mm. you know like I said earlier in the podcast the green shoots are there but I think they'll have too much for uh, the other teams in the Europa League this season. I think if they do get Arsenal in the final, I think Arsenal will do an Arsenal and probably get beat 7 <laughs> 0. Well, they got to the final against Chelsea in Baku in Azerbaijan and they got flattened there, didn't they? Yeah. Um, right, finally, the one that everyone cares about, the Europa Conference. <laughs> I'm not sure how this actually works. So does it work in the same way as the Champions League, where teams drop down from the Europa into the conference? I'm not sure. I don't I have know. No either. idea. 
I've no idea, but I'll tell you now the teams that are already through. So you can take a pick out of this bunch. And if you don't say West Ham, I'll be very shocked. Istanbul, Bashakshe here. Fiorentina are through. Uh, as I say, West Ham. Biareal are through as well. Uh, AZ Alkmaar, Dnipro, they're through. Uh, Gordon are through as well. Uh, Sivaspor are through, the Turkish team. Um, and then take your pick between any of Basel, Sloven, Bratislava, Cluj, Slavia, Prague, um, Partizan, Belgrade, Nice. There's a few teams there that haven't actually qualified as yet. We'll find out later tonight whether they will. But from the bunch there, it's quite clear that West Ham are the strongest team in that in that crop, isn't it, Joel? Uh, well, my heart's going to say Slavia Prague because I've got a bit of affinity towards <laughs> those after I sat with the ultras last well, month. They've not, they've not actually qualified yet. They're so. on seven points. They've got a chance tonight. I'll be backing them. Uh, hopefully, they go through in the competition because I'll be I'll be joining the ultras again. But I think um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that it, we say West Ham on paper, and I know they'll probably go try and go up, but they should be able to go all the way. I do think their biggest threat is probably Fiorentina just because they are doing very well in Serie A at the moment and also Villarreal as well. So I think between Villarreal, West Ham and Fiorentina, I'd say they're the three top picks. But I definitely don't think West Ham are a sure fit. Yeah, I mean, actually looking at this uh, ruling now from UEFA, it does look like teams from the Europa could drop in. But even so, I still think that gives West Ham a a decent shout. Um, They got a reasonable distance in the Europa League last season, Steve, before they got beaten by Frankfurt, who actually went on to win the competition. So do you think that David Moyes' lads will be up to similar tricks this year in Europe? I think if they can avoid Villarreal and the side of the draw they're on, uh, I think they'll fancy the chances. Um, but I think in a one-off game against Villarreal in a final, who have won the Europa League recently, um, you know, under Unai Emery, um, I think that it's difficult for West Ham. But, you know, if they get the, the luck that they need to win a, a big European, you know, well, say big, uh, to win a European trophy, I think, you know, they, they can do it. So I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say it's a clean sweep by English teams this year. Go on. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Premier League teams all going for it in Europe. Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United, West Ham. Of course, Chelsea, Manchester City still in the Europe, in the Champions League as well. Um, but that is it for all of the group stage games. And that's it from Joel and Steve for now. But don't go away because we're going to be hearing from Tom from the brilliant FPL podcast Who Got the Assist next on Football Social Daily. He'll be doing some FPL surgery for us. So make sure you stick around for that and we'll catch you after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. This is Football Social Daily and on a Thursday we throw open the doors to our FPL surgery and thankfully we've got the doctor in town. It's Tom from Who Got The Assist. How are you doing Tom? Yeah, all good now. Hope you're well. Thanks for having me on as usual. I'm well mate and it's good to have you back on the show and actually it's Jim I think who comes up with the term Dr Tom for you so I thought I'd carry on that theme but are you an evil doctor or are you like a conventional doctor? Uh, I'm, you... <laughs> I'm like the doctor in Star Trek Voyager if anyone wants to, if anyone, if anyone gets, that, gets that reference. So, yeah, Mostly good yeah. but a lot of bumbling and a lot of nonsense comes out of my mouth so take what you will from that. <laughs> well in and amongst all of that there's some really good advice as well which Tom gives you on the Who Got The Assist podcast 
podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. It is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. But for the next 10 minutes or so, Tom will be here answering your questions. So let's not beat around the bush, mate. Let's get straight into it. And I want to talk about Erling Haaland because we've had a few questions about him. Up to this point this season in FPL, he's been an absolute must-have. If he wasn't from the start of the season, then quickly after a couple of weeks, people were soon putting them into it into their starting 11s. But what's the plan for him for the next couple of game weeks? Obviously, we don't know the extent of this injury, which has kept him out the last two games or so for Manchester City. And there's only two Premier League game weeks left before the World Cup. He's not going to the World Cup. So is it hard to kind of predict what might happen with Haaland and whether it's worth either keeping him on the bench or, or sticking him in from the start? What do you think? The problem with Haaland is always, as you said, is that He's just had such a ridiculously big impact on FPL that it's very difficult to be looking at selling him from a couple of angles. One, we simply don't have the information whether he's fit or not. Mm. Same as last week. And we're not likely to have that information. You know, like Pep is very rarely forthcoming to say the least in his press conferences. And I suspect you know, we're not probably not going to know if he starts right up until the deadline. And the, the jeopardy FPL managers find themselves in is that if they go on and sell the guy and it turns out he's starting, I mean, Man City's next two fixtures, the final two fixtures for the World Cup are ridiculous. Fulham and Brentford at home. You want him to be your captain if he's fit. And, and unless you hear information that he is indeed out until after the World Cup, I really wouldn't be looking at selling him at all. Um, there's a couple of other reasons for that. The one is that um, you, know, he, you got him at 11.5, 11.6 if you bought him in early in the season. He's now 12.1. So you probably you probably will want him back after the World Cup after he's fit, had his rehabilitation period from whatever the injury is. And you'll still end up having to pay a little bit more on that kind of limitless wild card. Um, and the other thing, of course, is that you know, there's not there's not that many replacements for him in terms of this week's captaincy with the likes of Mo Salah away at Spurs, um, Kane at home to Liverpool, which could be a good game. But, Spurs, but Kane's also on four yellow cards, so you could be buying in Kane only to see him suspended as well. And you know, he's got he's got the World Cup next, so surely it might actually suit him to get yellow card this week. Yeah, conspiracy theory. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. It's a great point. Actually, talking of suspensions, just a quick reminder to all FPL managers: Bruno Fernandez is unavailable after picking up. Um, his fifth yellow card of the season in Manchester United's last game. So just another one uh, to keep an eye on there. I'm glad you brought up strikers in potential replacements because you talked about Salah, you talked about Kane. But one thing that me and Marley were discussing the other day was how would you weigh up the balance if you were, say, choosing between someone like Wilson and someone like Tony? Because they're both similarly priced, yet you've got that injury record hanging over Callum Wilson and the potential for him to maybe come up with a knock. And then you've got the inconsistency of Tony. So I think it's quite difficult to make a selection, maybe, if you're looking for one of those second-tier strikers, let's just say. Yeah, definitely. And they're both, they're both talisman in their team as well, um, which means that you know when a goal scores, you're likely to think one of them is going to be involved. So it's a very difficult quandary to fall into. Obviously, mm. Tony is now suspended, and the final game of before the World Cup is against Man City. So if you own Tony, sell him straight away and sell him for Callum Wilson, because they're both you know, fairly similar players. The only caveat to that is that Newcastle were much much better than Brentford um, and that might be the decider in any situation when you're trying to figure out the uh, player versus player if they're a talisman in a team then it kind of comes down to how good the team is compared to perhaps how good the players are if they're very similar so for example in terms of non-penalty expected goals this year Callum Wilson and Ivan Tony are really similar they're actually fifth and sixth overall according to Opta however right 
Wilson has played fewer games, which makes his numbers all the more impressive. And Newcastle, in terms of their non-expected penalty goal, uh, expected goals, are far better than Brentford's. So that would make me think, you know what, this uh, Wilson, his team are creating more chances creating more goal scoring chances for him as the talisman to be trying to convert as we saw last week against Aston Villa of 19 points sometimes it can turn out spectacularly but you're putting yourself in a position to be lucky always with FPL I think that would be what would drive my decision towards Newcastle especially I know that he's obviously a bit of an injury risk Callum he's always been that way and you've got to take it on the chin when it happens with a player like that you've got to go into it eyes wide open but two games left I think that a player who's in form, his team's in form. I know, admittedly, you know, the Chelsea game is last, but they just lost 4-1 against uh, Brighton the other week. So I, uh, Southampton away in Chelsea at home, neither of those games worry me right now. And Wilson's got a weird history against Chelsea, actually. Um, so I think that there's definitely one of those things where um, at the moment it's a clear option between the two. And normally I'd use team uh, strength as a core validating factor if I was comparing talisman um, from two different sides who are similar statting. It's quite funny how the landscape changes in the Premier League because four weeks ago Ivan Tony was the man on the plane to Qatar and now it looks like there's a fair few in the Callum Wilson camp and if he continues the form he's shown for Newcastle he'll be the one going to the World Cup along with Harry Kane and and A, another, which might be Tammy Abraham, it might be Tony, it might even be someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but that would be a, a bit of a stretch for me, seeing as he's only just come back into the fold and he scored a couple of goals. But for me, general rotation before the World Cup is going to be something to be wary of. We saw Chilwell go off in the Chelsea game midweek in the Champions League, injury problems there. Bukayo Saka back in training, but a knock on the ankle, which kept him out of the last game. Is this something that's going to kind of you're just going to have to take on the chin as an FPL manager in the next two weeks? Because we don't know a lot of the time who might be playing and who might be preserving themselves for the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Like there's a, the quality of the football, um, especially over the last couple of weeks, has to the eye diminished a little bit. I think there's an element of fatigue because the players have had so many games especially you mentioned Saka there I think he's played every single Arsenal game or featured in every single Arsenal Premier League game stretching back the last couple of seasons they're bound to be fatigued and and they're bound to have half an eye on the World Cup now some of them so it's definitely something you're going to need to keep an eye on Um, we do hopefully all have benches of some description this week it's not great with the likes of Andreas Pereira who's on most people's bench away at Man City Uh, nonetheless you know some people may be looking at hits and things like that I'd be less inclined to do that just because it's very unlikely you'll get those points back in a very, very short-term time horizon. If there is, you know, um, you find out that a, play, a couple of players are out and you're looking at kind of fielding, you know, like Neko Williams or something, sure. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. But if you're going to be removing a player for a hit to try to make up the numbers, just rem- just remember what, what, I've, what we've said about players perhaps not playing in a high-octane way. I mean, some like you know, Callum Wilson, we spoke about a second ago, probably would be playing in a high-octane way because, you know, it's, it's incumbent on them to maybe make their case to get on that plane to Qatar. But there are other players who are maybe thinking, oh, hang on a minute, let, let's just preserve myself and make sure I'm not injured uh, ahead, of, uh, ahead of the tournament. And as I mentioned, you know, there are a few players on 3 low cards like Harry Kane who may well decide, hey, you know what? 
perhaps <laughs> I give myself a week off to extra uh, extra week off to prepare yeah. um, ahead of uh, ahead of uh, the World Cup. I wonder if we'll see Harry Kane throwing a few elbows this weekend and steaming into challenges and stuff mm, like that, or maybe just bending over so the defender jumps on him or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he seems to have a a bit of a knack of doing that. That's for sure. You mentioned Fulham, and just quickly, I want to touch on them uh, and Andreas Pereira. You said it kind of seems like it's him and Mitrovic are the two Fulham players, but their next two games, as you rightly pointed out, against both Manchester clubs, City and United. Um, if you're looking outside of the usual Mitrovic or Pereira at Fulham, who have started really well, I think seventh or eighth in the league at this point in time, are there any other players in that squad that you're looking at who maybe might offer a bit of difference? No, no, definitely not. Um, stick to the main, especially in a, in a team like Fulham, stick to the main players um, 100%. There's there's no reason to be looking around elsewhere in Fulham right now. I mean, there's likes of, for example, Harry Wilson. A few play, a few people mentioned him at the start of the season before he got injured because he was on a lot of set pieces last year. A lot of um, assists last year. But obviously, Andreas coming in, monopolised set pieces and appears to be playing that number 10 role with a plum. So I, I don't think that there's a reason to be looking beyond those two. And yeah, Mitrovic this week, yeah, in Man City away, Man Nice at home. Um, he's on four yellow cards as well. <laughs> but one thing I would say about Mitrovic, I think quite a fair few people are now looking at probably playing him. I wouldn't be too concerned against Man City. The guy's a bit of a bully. And I, I, I don't know, I, I've just got a, this is quite a bit of a hunch more than anything else. Man City do have the best defensive record in the Premier League this season to the surprise of absolutely no one. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does get a bit of change out for the likes of Diaz and the Kanji, you know, just given the profile of player he is and the way he's going to uh, attack that Man City defence. So, I mean, I wouldn't be too upset about having to field him. And to be fair as well, the, in the forwards... There's, there's not loads of variety outside of the likes of Wilson, as we've mentioned. Um, you know, you're really looking at your kind of our knees or you know, yes. uh, players like Skamaka and taking a punt on them at the moment. Um, mm. And I think that on balance, it's probably better to play, uh, assuming you've done something else already, to play a, play a Mitrovic rather than taking them out for a minus four, just because the forwards at the moment, no, no one's really screaming out. Uh, Darwin maybe next week, actually, as a one-week mm. punt at home to Southampton could be the one that many will look at, certainly one I'll be looking at. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with everything you said there. I certainly think that if you're looking outside the usual suspects, then it is very much a punt. And talking of Fulham, we're going to zip down the Fulham road now for our final question because it involves Chelsea. It comes from Darren and he says, Kepa Aritha Balaga has been in magnificent form recently, but he's got an injury and Mendy has come back into the team. Should I change my goalkeeper from Kepa to Mendy? Do you think that Potter will keep him in for the foreseeable? Hard to tell, really, isn't it? Again, it's one of those things where we're just two game weeks before the World Cup. It's a bit of a shrug your shoulders and see what happens. I think so. And Arsenal and Newcastle, neither of those games scream, I want the Chelsea goalkeeper. Clean sheet, yeah. They're not exactly <laughs> yeah, shouting neither out clean sheet. scream that. I think, you know, if you're looking for a goalkeeper now, there's two I guess two options really. Uh, one is uh, Jordan Pickford, who will obviously be on the planes to the World Cup. Two clean sheets in a row. Uh, Tarkovsky, and in particular Connor Cody, mm. um, really tightening up that defence for Lampard. I mean, it's it's not the prettiest football in the world. I and mean, if anyone saw the Fulham Everton game on the weekend, it really wasn't the prettiest game. But they are a mean defence, so he would be one to look at. And the other one, um, if you are looking for saves galore, is Dean Henderson at Nottingham Forest, uh, Brentford and Crystal Palace. Two home games coming up. Uh, for them and I think that he could be the other one that you maybe want to look at I don't think he'll be on the plane to the World Cup but hey you know he could be um, motivated to give it a go but certainly not Mendy I'd say Uh, certainly look elsewhere uh, for your goalkeeper bye 
All right. Thanks for your question, Darren. And thanks for your time, Tom, as well. And you can hear more from Tom on Who Got the Assist, brilliant FPL podcast, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it on the Sports Social website too. So make sure you go and check that out. Hit subscribe and that way you'll be in the loop with all the latest when it comes to FPL. Good to speak to you, Tom. We'll catch you next week. Cheers, Nat. Good to hear from Tom there. Don't forget, you can find Who Got the Assist and loads of other great sport podcasts on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Make sure you hit subscribe to Football Social Daily, though, as later on this week, we'll be dropping our latest episode of The Dugout, which is the podcast featuring former top flight professionals. I've got former Brighton and Leicester City midfielder Dean Hammond and ex-Premier League winner with Everton, Trevor Stephen, joining me ahead of the latest round of Premier League fixtures. Some big matches to look forward to, including that aforementioned Chelsea against Arsenal match on Sunday lunchtime and of course Unai Emery's first game as he takes charge of Aston Villa against Manchester United as well so we'll get stuck into that on the dugout as I mentioned press subscribe and that way you won't miss it but from myself Tom Joel and Steve that is it on FSD and we'll speak to you next time Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode